Jessica of Lady Ada. We glow. Carousel. Where is Sanctuary, Lady I'm Ada? I'm not even a big Logan to Run fan. Yeah? Yeah. I've like never even watched the whole thing through. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know. Here you go. It's for you. Thanks. I'm going to renew. Real Actually, I'm going to run. You're going to go run? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here we are at my desk, not running away. Uh, I'm over 30. But it's gonna be okay. Um, tonight I thought I would do kind of like a up, up, keep, redo, check in on the um, Circuit Playground Express IR receive and transmit code. I was like noodling around with it last night, at, like two in the morning. Um, and I actually had a little bit more time today to try out some different libraries, so I thought it would be fun to talk about. But I thought first I would talk about like how IR works, because maybe some people watching don't know how IR works. I thought that would be pretty handy. Okay, let's do this. You want to do that? Yeah. So, the basics behind IR is, you know, it's it's infrared, that's what IR stands for, and it's a bigger waveform than red, so it's like right below what humans can see. And um, this is kind of neat because it means that you can use it to like illuminate night vision, so like IR is used for night vision, um, you can use it for uh, transmitting data using IR remotes. Um, you can also use it for uh, digital whiteboards. If you have a digital whiteboard, it probably uses IR. Um, I think even uh, the Kinect used IR um, grids. You know, basically, it's a way to like have light that a computer can see very easily, but that humans can't see very easily. Um, so the really neat thing is it just it's just a little bit uh, lower on the spectrum than red. 
And so we can't see it, but computers can see it just fine. So can cameras, you know, especially if they don't have an IR filter on. Um, sometimes they, they do remove the IR filter so they don't get that noise. And so IR is really popular for use because like I mentioned last night, um, it has a lot of the benefits of wireless communication. You know, wires, you can transmit data here and there, but it doesn't use um, the high enough frequencies that, or sorry, low enough frequencies that would um, need to be like FCC regulated or deal with antennas. It's basically you're just transmitting photons. And, and because you're transmitting photons, you can do it very easily. Um, the power requirements are, are pretty low. It's really easy to do. Uh, you don't have to worry about antenna tuning or anything. You just, you know, have an IR transmitter and IR receiver. So, um, you know, other than that, it's, it's kind of similar to wireless, except, you know, you don't have a bi-directional communication. It's like you have to have one transmit LED and one receive LED, basically, um, for each set rather than, like, trying to multiplex an antenna. But other than that, it's very similar to wireless. You'll have protocols and um, layers of... Um, filtration and error correction on top of it because like all wireless protocols IR is you know, it's not perfect like light can affect it if you're not um, line of sight sometimes the IR doesn't bounce very nicely off of walls you know so you're, you're not gonna get a very good signal um, you can have really really bright LEDs and do IR transmission from like you know half a mile away but it is it is tougher than um, you know, at that range, you, you probably want to use something like a wireless uh, transmission, like 400 megahertz or 900 megahertz. But um, we like the terahertz range a little bit. So one thing that's interesting about IR is, or another thing that's cool about IR, it's really cheap. Uh, compared to um, a wireless radio, which is at least a couple bucks, uh, and you know, needs all these tuned components, IR transmitter LEDs are like five cents. You know, you can get them in bulk for five cents or less. And then IR receivers are also really inexpensive. They're like 50 cents, 20 cents in bulk. So they're, it's a really easy way to do transmission. Also, almost everybody has a transmitter at home. Like here's my TV remote. And you can see the IR LED over here. Let's see if this, if this um, camera has a filter. So it does, so it's not. Yeah, you can see it. Barely, <laughs> barely see it. The overhead though is really good. Do you want to go to the overhead? The overhead is way better at seeing IR. So that you can really see it. But like human vision, you can't see it. But as you can tell, the computer vision can see it really well. Um, so almost everybody has remote controls. I think, uh, oh yeah, what's the question? Question is, uh, what frequencies do TV remotes and such use? Well, the, there's two frequencies. There's actually like three frequencies involved. First is the frequency of the LED. Right, because it it is you know usually call, um, talk about it in nanometers, the inverse of the of the frequency, but um, what what really is going on is that this is an LED with a certain frequency which is very very high, um, and so it's near the visible range, and often these again these are referred to in terms of nanometers. So this is a usually 940 nanometer LED. Um, that's an IR LED, but that's not always true. It can vary. Thinking sometimes it's a little bit lower, a little bit less, but almost always 940 um, nanometers. Write that down. It's a pretty handy. I was going to mention it anyways. So you have the um, IR LED, 
which is about 940 nanometers. Bam! So the transmitter LED is um, running at 940, and then there's the receiver, which is actually essentially also an LED. It's just an LED with a really big surface area. And this is also um, tuned to 940 nanometers so that you know, this one will receive the signal. Um, and so when you look at, you know, for example, we have the um, IR receiver and transmitter LED in the circuit playground, and I can show that. They're really both just LEDs, just one is like a little, you know, this one's black. It just has a filter on it, I'm sorry. This one's black, that's the receiver LED, and that's a transmitter LED. Remember, like, IR receive, um, light receiving and transmitting, it's the same PN diode, it's just, um, so they're slightly built a little bit differently. Like, this would be a very bad receiver, this would be a very, very bad transmitter, because it's got a filter on it. But they're pretty much just LEDs, and they're just tuned to that 940 nanometers. And so what you can do if you're really, you don't want to use an IR protocol, is you can actually just, like, turn this LED on and receive the signal on the other side. Um, just like literally you turn the LED on and then you look to see if this uh, LED receives a signal. And actually we have those in the shop. They're called um, IR brake beams. Can you go to the uh, copy? I'll show this. So we have, wait, hold on, let me shrink this. Okay. So these are called IR brake beam sensors, and we have, we have two of them in the shop. We have one that's three millimeters, and we have one that's five millimeters. And if you look at this carefully, you'll see like over here, this is the receiver. And again, it's just a black LED. It's actually a, a, a phototransistor, so it's got some gain to it. Um, you power it, and it gives you a, a, a signal, so you, you have a, you know, because the signal otherwise is very, very weak. And then on the other side, you have the transmitter, and it's got a clear LED. So the same thing, really. You've got you have two LEDs and they're matched up. Now you can um, modulate them, but people tend not to actually because they're just usually like you know this far apart. You have the LED light up, and then what happens is the receiver on the other side is receiving it, right, just like this. And when you put your hand in the middle, you block the light, and uh, this signal basically says, hey, you know something is blocking it to break beam. The beam has broken. And this is actually almost identical to another kind of sensor. So the IR, people, engineers love IR. Engineers are like, if they can use IR for something, they'll use it. This is also used for um, proximity sensing. So if you look at, for example, um, the VCNL 4010, if you look inside the data sheet, you'd find out that this sensor is also just an IR LED and an IR receiver, they're just next to each other. So instead of like this, they're actually like, there's like kind of like a little wall type thing. And then I'll make this dark so you know this is the receiver. So this is transmitting. And then when you put your hand in front, this light bounces off of your hand and back to the receiver, and thus you've detected uh, proximity. So these are used for like measuring, you know, when you go to the, um, the restroom and you wave your hand in front of something. That's what it's doing. It's the opposite of a brake beam, right? It's detecting when something is reflecting the light back onto um, the sensor. So this is also IR.
really handy. Isn't IR great? IR is just used for everything. So these are just plain IR um, LEDs and receivers. Again, super inexpensive. Like you can you can get this jig together yourself for like ten cents. What a good deal in, in production. Um, and this is good enough for uh, proximity detection. And um, it's probably some other uses I can't think of. But uh, this isn't great for transmitting data because, well, if you want to transmit data, right, you have to send like one, zero, one, zero, one, 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 zero, zero, right? You want to send like bits to make bytes. Um, so when you do that, you actually don't, what, what you th would think you would do is actually just like, okay, we'll turn the LED like on and then off and then on and then off and then on again to send one, zero, one, zero, one. But actually that's not what happens because um, for one, if you really want to uh, turn these LEDs on really bright, you have to pulse them. You want the amount of time they're on to be very, very short. Um, that's one reason. And the second reason is, is that when you're just detecting if, some, if light is there or not and you're like only four inches away, like all these proximity sensors, these brake beams, they only really work up to like six, maybe 12 inches away. They're not really meant for long distance. Once you want to do um, a long distance data transmission, you have to have you know, some uh, error correction, some way to filter it, some way to make sure that you don't have ambient noise in the way. Because right now, even though we can't see IR, there's IR all over the place coming from the LEDs, fluorescent lights, incandescent lights, they all emit IR. And so you can't just have the LED on or off. What, what's up? Well, you know, sometimes I have questions. Or yeah, say ask questions. That was pretty abrupt. Um, you were you told me about um, was it your advisor or someone in IT had this thing where you could uh, broadcast data from the IR. That was my roommate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he has a company called Pixmob, and what they do is they have really, 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 really big. IR transmitters, like um, they're like foot or two foot around and they're made out of thousands of LEDs. And what he does is when you go to like um, the Super Bowl and you see that they have like everyone has these little like um, light things and the lights change, um, like and they draw patterns, the way that works is actually IR transmission. By beaming IR data, all the little receivers know where they are because like they're being hit with the beam and you know there's like multiple beams and so they can draw onto the um crowd basically using um ir beams and like it's one of those things where a lot of people have tried to do it with radio but it's just so hard like one of the nice things about ir is you can really have it be very directional where because you can um you can put a lens on the led and make it be only like five degrees of um, spread and then you like you know you can have cones and you can have like you know coverings to make sure the LED is really pinpointed you, it's very hard to do that with radio like radio you can make it directional but it's it's hard to make it as directional as light so with the light beams he can you know paint on the crowds check it it's called Pixmob like P-I-X-M-O-B and you see them I know that I know that he's done a bunch of uh, concerts and um, Super Bowl type events do you have any other questions? No. Okay. I just, um, people like that. That's cool. I'm yeah. glad. Um, so the, so back to this. So you, you can't just send on and off. You can't turn the LED on and off because 
it's actually really hard for the receiver to know when the LED is on and off depending on how bright it is in the room. So what they do is they actually modulate the signal. So not only do you have this 940 nanometer LED, but the signal that's sent, when you want to send a one, you actually turn the LED on or off really, really fast, like very, very fast, multiple, multiple times. And then when you don't send the modulated signal, that's zero. So this is one, zero, one. This is called a mark and this is called a space. So when you are sending a mark that is turning the LED on at 38 kilohertz, approximately. So it's turning on and on really, really fast, 38 kilohertz, and then it's on and off for like, you know, a couple of um, microseconds at a time, usually like 500 microseconds or something. Um, so this is, you know, 100 plus microseconds per on and off. And then it's on, like, it's turning on and on, on and off very fast for it to be considered a one signal, and it's completely quiet for zero signals. And you alternate these you know, sending modulated signal, not sending modulated signal. So you have the 940 nanometers for the LED. You got the frequency of the modulation when you are sending signal. And that varies. It can actually vary from like 24 kilohertz, I think, or 20 kilohertz I once saw up to, I think, 50 kilohertz. But like almost everybody nowadays uses 38. It's almost standardized. Um, why? I don't know. I actually don't know exactly why they picked 38 kilohertz. But um, it's a good frequency because it's pretty high up. It's definitely way higher than um, the 60 hertz or 120 hertz that you're going to get from um, uh, fluorescent lights. And maybe they just wanted to make it higher enough that you wouldn't get any of the uh, fluorescent light, um, uh, not, um, sorry, not resonance, the uh, whatever. I forgot the word. I'll tell my head. What's, yeah, what's up? Um, I remember when the Palm Pilots came out yeah. and the watches, and you would program it using an IR transmitter and receiver. Yes. That was kind of cool. So, yeah, you, once, you, once you're sending, like, ones and zeros, so this is a way to just send, like, really basic data. But then on top of this, you can have other protocols, um, like IRDA. So on top of this, there's other protocols. So this is, like, its own protocol. And then there's like, you can send data on and off. And then the width of these spaces is another frequency component. And then you can have a protocol on top of that, like IRDA, which is like a, a data transmission, um, receive and transmit system. I don't know why Palm Pilot didn't use RF, but maybe another thing, it's like maybe it was just cheaper and easier. You know, radios, at the time when the Palm Pilot came out, I think we were barely just getting to the point of having low cost 2.4 gigahertz radios. It was very, very um, new at the time. There was no, was there, was, was there Wi-Fi when Palm Pilots came out? No. It was, it was just, um, <coughs> yeah, it yeah, just fact, started. Yeah, in fact, I remember because in my previous life, um, I worked on OmniSky, which was a modem for the Palm Pilot, and it uses, it used the um, cell networks. There wasn't widespread Wi-Fi quite yet. Yes, that's right. Super weird. We were still using Ethernet at the time. We didn't have there was no such thing as Wi-Fi. Some people had 802.11b, but it was like, or 811a, but really sucked. Um, sorry, the word was harmonics. So they wanted to make 38 kilohertz high enough that maybe it would be affected by um, harmonics from fluorescent lights and just stuff around the house. Um, and so when you get the signal, when you're building a receiver, 
You have to have a couple things going. Again, you have to have a tuned receiver for the frequency of the LED that you're using, probably around 940 nanometers. And then you also want to do a filtration on top of that that does a 38 kilohertz, it looks for the 38 kilohertz signal and takes that out for you and just gives you the envelope. And so the chip I'm using is, uh, well, in the store we have one called the TSOP 38238. Oh, can you go to the um, copy? I'll show this. I'm going to figure out how to. Well, you know what? That's a little better. Okay, so this is um, the uh, TSOP 38238. And uh, seeing these 38s pretty much tells you it's a 38 kilohertz um, sensor. So it's tuned to that frequency. Again, you can get ones tuned to other frequency. And then um, if you look at the data sheet, they're like so easy. And what's nice about these uh, chips, the, the chips inside is they do a ton of filtering for you. So you only have to give it power, ground, and then output pin. That's it. You can even power them from two to five volts. Um, they're just like so generic. They're using almost everything. And you can get these for maybe, you know, a dollar or two. And then if you're buying them in bulk, you get them for a lot less. And inside, here's what's going on. So you've got that um, diode. It's called a pin diode. I don't know exactly what pin stands for. I mean, maybe it's like something, maybe there's something next to the PNN layer. Anyways, this is an, uh, a receiver LED. So it looks like a diode, but it's, you know, light comes in. And then it goes into an automatic gain control. So, you know, based on how much, how much ambient light there is and how good the signal is, it will actually do um, a bunch of amplification, filtering amplification in, in, a, in, a, in a cycle, in a feedback loop. And then this bandpass is looking for um, the 38 kilohertz. And then what it does is it demodulates and it takes out that 38 kilohertz. So that the signal you get doesn't have that 38 kilohertz component just it's, it looks like on off on off just like really nice and then the output just comes out to uh, a transistor output which is all good and um that's pretty much it so the only difference oh and they maybe tell you here you know what it's looking for and there's there's a lot of optimizations for example um one thing to watch for is the burst length matters so it will actually filter out signals if the bursts those uh 38 oh, kilohertz pulses pen equals p region i region n region yeah what's the i like yeah hey terry what does the i stand for yeah like p, p region i region n region pin pin i know yes there's like the p and the n and then there's something in the middle p to the i to the n i don't know so you have to watch out for is um these <laughs> these sensors are quite smart and they look for the pulse widths. Intrinsic. Ron says it's intrinsic. All right, great. It's an intrinsic layer. I don't know. Um, probably just a, a layer that makes it uh, very sense. You know, it's it's very sensitive to uh, light, and it's exposed. I don't know exactly what. There's all sorts of learning going on. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I never studied pin diodes. Um, so. When you are looking for these, they, they do come in multiple flavors. And not only do you want to look for, you know, the frequency, 
940 nanometers, the frequency of the modulation, 38 kilohertz. But you also have to look at the burst lengths. Um, and when you are looking at it, it will tell you which version you want. So for example, there is the TSOP 38.2, is 3.9 kilohertz to 3.8 kilohertz. And then there's the 38.4 and 39.4. And what it matters is... Undoped intrinsic, intrinsic semiconductor. Huh. That's cool. That's um, what really matters is, is how long, how many bursts it can handle because some remotes have like these really, really long data strings and some of them have really short ones. And so you want to make sure that if you're, if you're using it with a remote that pretty much, if you're, if you're pairing this with a, a device that's going to be used with a remote that has really long codes, you want to make it get a long code receiver. And if you're getting one that uses short codes, you want to get a short code receiver. Because it will do some, it'll try to do some smart filtering to make sure that you don't get codes that are too short or too long. Or it'll, it'll start cutting off. So what you look for is, um, what you want to look for is over here, it'll say, you know, which codes you're using. So for example, NEC codes. Well, they're all pretty good for NEC codes. But like, are you using Sony codes? Sony codes, I think, are really long. Yeah, they're, they're 70 cycles, so you want to make sure that you're using the 38.2 for long cycles. Um, and then, but so you're wondering, like, you know, why, why not just always use the ones that can handle the longest bursts? Like, like this one, the 38.2 can handle NEC, RC5, RC6, Sony, Thompson, Mitsubishi, and Sharp. So you're like, well, why even use the 38.4 over here? which um, can only do NEC, RC4, RC5, Thompson, and Sharp? Well, the answer is not a lot of people use Sony remotes. Like even this um, Panasonic remote, sorry, this Toshiba remote, it uses NEC codes. And all these little remotes that you see all around everywhere with like devices, they're all NEC too. Almost everybody uses the NEC code base. I don't know why, maybe it's just the easiest to program. Maybe like some Chinese developer released a library and so... Are you going to be on this for a couple of minutes? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so when you pick the... When you're picking the receiver, if you're going to be using NEC remotes, which like you probably are, grab the 38.4 because it'll be less flaky. I think the... Um, the receivers that I've got for the Circuit Playground, I just picked the 38.2s because I wasn't sure which one I was going to use. And it turns out, it especially when there's a lot of lights on in the room, and I've got um, we know we have these Philips Hue lights, and so they do a lot of PWMing, and so there's a lot of noise coming in that way. And um, you know we have these lights here, and you have some fluorescence. All this noise builds up, and so you want to basically get the 38.4 series or the short code series if you're using short code remotes. So the good news is um, these work great. The bad news is that all of these receivers are almost always through hole. It's actually really, really hard to find a surface mount version of these sensors. But when I was looking at um, Parallax, they had this badge. It's one of the things I was looking at when I was looking at Circuit Playground. Let's see if I can find this badge. Yeah. In the badge, they have um, an IR receiver, yeah, infrared communication. 
And I was like, oh, that's neat, because it, it was like all surface mount. And then when I looked, I saw that they had a surface mount receiver. So if you get a DigiKey, you say infrared receiver. Welcome back. And they're actually just called like, you know, remote receivers. I had to see a man about a mule. Yeah. So you can pick up remote receivers and they, you know, they, again, they come in like all sorts of shapes and sizes and, and versions. There are surface mount ones, but um, they're a little pricey in my opinion. So let's filter, well, let's look for active ones. Oh, so one question, how did the watches work that were programmed from a CRT display? From what I recall, they flashed. I think it was actually just, they didn't use infrared, they just used light. Yeah, they just flashed on the screen, like really fast. The, um, we had a kit from someone who did, who used yeah. that technique. Actually, you know who used that technique was the, um, the scheme, uh, the scheme wearable kids. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, my memory's so going, I cannot remember. What's the name of the... We'll find out later. Oh, they, they're not around anymore. Yeah. Okay, so this is, um, these are some surface mount wands. Ooh, I love that uh, image over. So you can see in the center there, that's that IR LED, and then the, there's a chip around it. It's a surface mount uh, part. This one has uh, a nice dual lens, and then, of course, pads. What's neat about this uh, design, actually, is you can um, mount it facing up, or you can get it um, rotated so you can have it be right angle as well. And then um, this one's kind of neat too. This is unfortunately not a great view of it, but the LEDs on the other side. Let's see, maybe I can look at the data sheet. Yeah, on the other side of the component, there's a window. So this is a very, very small um, IR receiver, which is kind of neat, completely integrated. You can see Vichet like kind of has this market down. They got the TSOP series down. So, but it's almost the same. So basically they have like one really great Chip design, they just kind of redo it over and over again. Um, but they're all a little pricey. So, you know, 79 cents, which isn't bad, but it does add a lot of cost to um, Circuit Playground. So when you sort by price, you'll see that they do have a series that's just the conditioning. And it's, um, they're pretty cheap. They're only, they're only 25 cents or so when you get a bunch of them at a time. Um, and then, of course, you can go to Vichet and like be like, hey, I want better pricing. I think I got them down to 20 cents in the end by telling them that it was for the children. Um, and this part is just the um, processing chip. It doesn't include the LED. The LED you have to get separate. Um, but you can see the pricing is, was, is, is a lot better. So like, even though this doesn't include the LED, it's like 25 cents, the next best one that does include an LED is 65 cents. There's a couple of like these, um, Everlight has a couple of modules, but nobody has them in stock, so I kind of got spooked from using them. But as you can see, they're almost all 38 kilohertz. This one's 36 kilohertz. So you can see there's a little bit of variation, 36, and this one's maybe 38. They all run from two to five volts, which is lovely. And then um, when you look at this data sheet, um, you know, it's just a chip. And, uh, you know, it, it's intelligent AGC, so that's the stuff that you have to watch out for to make sure you get the correct code width. And then all you do is you add in a uh, resistor capacitor for just some basic um, power filtering over here, and then an LED. And so the next thing you have to do is just pick up an LED. 
So then if you look for um, pin diode, don't forget the intrinsic. Can I have a drink? Okay, so we want to get the photodiode. Thank you. Whoa, 68,000 different diodes. Okay, so now you want to get a diode, so you will you can check the uh, wavelength. Whoa, come on. Uh, browsers, acting funky. Um, so you can do, you can actually look for different colors. We can also look at wavelengths. So this is, you know, if you wanted to filter down, you can actually be off a little bit, by the way. If you're, if you're like, oh, I found a really nice diode, but it's like three, 9.30 or 9.50, it's okay. There's a little bit of spread anyways. But let's pick up um, an infrared one. And then, ooh, my browser's really... And then sort by price. And then you can see some nice pin diodes here. This is the one I ended up using, the PD15 from Everlight. And you can see it's um, eight cents. So even though you're getting two components, there's the eight cent LED and then like the 25 cent receiver, it's still half the cost of getting an integrated solution. So if you can get away with it, two different parts is good. What's up? Uh, you're at the 30 minute mark. Well, I think that's actually a pretty good intro. I mean, we could, we could stop now and then- Yeah, um, let's, um, yeah. let's wrap up and then uh, we'll keep doing this during the week. Okay, well that's, that's the receiver. Um, so maybe I'll just show it running on the um, circuit playground. Do you want to just go to the overhead? I'll, I'll show it off. We can always do more streams in the week. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to overhead. Actually, this one. Right. Um, so this is... Hold on. So, oh, I've got my tweezers. Oh, I've got my So over here is um, the pin diode. Okay. So over here you can see that black pin diode. And then the receiver chip is actually over here. And then the capacitor and the resistor that they recommend is right next to it. So it, what actually is nice is um, even though this is also a little bit bigger than integrated solution, well, it, it's about the same size as integrated solution, like an all-in-one, but it could spread it out. So you could put the um, receiver LED over here and then the chip down here. So they're, they're, they're close to each other. They're very close, but just far enough away that, um, that I could kind of like use that space intelligently. And then over on... The software side, I ended up, I have tried two libraries. There's IRLib2, which is Chris Young's, and that works. 
And I also um, am trying out IR Remote, which is uh, Ken uh, Sheriff's library. It's pretty popular, people use it, so I thought like, well, I want to make sure that it works with this as well. So then let's go to the copy. And I just have a really basic demo where um, the receiver pin is number 39, just turned out what it is. And then um, I turn on LED and then the, sorry, I turn on the IR, but I also have the strip of NeoPixels, the LEDs around the circuit playground. And then I'm going to be looking for two codes and depending on the code, I'll change the NeoPixel color. So it's a really good way to tell if I'm receiving different codes. So it also will print out what code I did get because um, you can try, you know, try the remote and see what code it's transmitting. So let's upload this to my circuit playground. And I thought we could probe the, um, the pin diodes too and see what that, what that looks like. Okay, so it's going to take us a minute to compile. Any, any questions while I wait? No. Comments? Diode? Explanations? What's fun is then we can make a TV gone in a future episode. Compile, 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 <coughs> compile, compile. Okay. All right. So let's try this out. So I've got my remote control, my little happy, friendly remote. So let's try this. So you can see it's printing out um, the different codes. So this is um, the volume down code, and then when I press red, it's the volume up code. So these are the two codes you get, FD00FF, FD40BF. Even though these are 32-bit, you only really get 24 bits. I don't know. I guess they, they just use the rest of them. Um, or they're just they're zeroed out. And then if you repeat a code, so if you hold down a button, you'll get FFFF. That's the repeat code. That just lets you know like the button was held down. And then you don't get a uh, button up. Instead, you just don't get any more signals. So that's kind of neat. Um, seems like it's receiving the codes just fine. And then if you go to the overhead, and I've got my remote here, hold on. As I point and press my button, I just have to aim it. I can change the color of the LED. Nice demo. And so, um, Good work. is there a question, or should I? No. Another thing. Well, let me do one last thing because I thought it'd be kind of fun. I will uh, clip on, and then can you um, can you go to the overhead real fast? We are on the overhead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Good work, Bill. Yeah. Um, let's probe not the um, this pin, but the other the other side of the pin diode. So this is the signal side. So we're probing this. And then um, let's go to the scope cam. Let's just see what comes up. Let's uh, move this down. One moment. Scope adjustment. Yeah, maybe. That's good. Okay, so that's... That's, it's kind of uh, hovering at, um, at about, uh, let's see, measure. 
at about 1.5 volts. So let's send a signal and see what happens. Oh, you can barely, barely see it. Hold on, I think I do see it. Let me um, AC couple in. Let's go up to like 10 millivolts, 50 millivolts. Okay, so now we're seeing the AC signal. Let's try sending this again. Oh, you can see it a little bit. Hold on. Yeah, if I'm really close, you can start seeing the signal. But what's interesting is like, okay, so like if I hold the IR remote with like holding down the button from, and I'm like, three inches away, you can actually pretty much see the signal quite nicely. Okay, so you can see the signal pretty nicely. But what's interesting is that once I get, you know, even like two feet away, you can barely see the signal out of the pin diode. That's a, this just shows the quality of the filtering and automatic gain control that's going on inside of the, um, the receiver chip, which is kind of neat. Hold on, let me uh, bring down the trigger. Yeah, this is amazing. Like I can barely see it on the oscilloscope, but signals are coming in on the, uh, on the serial console. So the upshot is, you know, if you want to try to do this on your own with just like a pin diode and an op amp, you, you can probably kind of get something working from a couple inches away. But if you want to really um, have your remote work from up to 15 feet away, you need to get one of these receiver chips. Like they do the job really, really well. It's worth the 20 cents. Um, I kind of like tried a little bit to like dink around and get something working with a basic op amp and I couldn't get anything working nearly as well as these. So I ended up just saying like, you know what, it's worth it. Just get that extra chip and then you pass your uh, filter into it. And then um, it just sends you the signal out so nice and clean. It's uh, a joy. It was really easy to uh, get it working with the IR remote library too. So, yay, IR receiving. Okay. Change the LED color. That's your desk of Lady Ada. Red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. Red, blue, red, blue, red. Okay. Blue. Red. All right, we're here all week. Uh, join us on Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Show and tell. Ask an engineer, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'm doing this every week. Support Adafruit.com. Buy a kit and more. This was Desk of Lady Ada. Thank you, Lady Ada. Yay. Next time, we'll do IR Transmit. Yeah. All right, say goodbye. Goodbye. Red, blue. Red, blue.